0: To First Church Charlotte. Say thank, thank, thanks to the Lord for keeping me during my sickness. Many of you have already been sick, and uh, I had not gone through it, and I had been vaccinated, uh, so I was doing my part <laughs> to try to be healthy. But uh, I am so thankful that the Lord kept me, and I am I'm uh, uh, blessed for that here today. I felt awkward I felt awkward walking in you know people look at you like uh, you're unclean uh, and and I I kept saying to people I'm three days past isolation I'm I'm sorry I'm here I'm three days past isolation would you like a post-COVID kiss and no one took me up on a post COVID kiss. I, I can't even get my wife to take me up on a post COVID kiss. And so, <laughs> uh, and I'm thankful for the sweet things my wife said uh, about me. I, I, knew, I knew that she was worried when every day she upped my, my life insurance. Uh, <laughs> by the time it was over, I was worth more dead than alive. <laughs> Just having fun. I'm reading Matthew chapter number two, verse number 13. You can just, you don't have to stand. You can just follow uh, with me. I am going to place you in the scripture. And then I'm going to ask you, as we spend a few moments here together, I'm going to ask you uh, to, to consider... A few things with me. Uh, I know what I was going to forget. I know what I forgot. I was going to have Pastor uh, Cedric White uh, greet the congregation here today, Uh, but he's already been so disrespected by uh, my wife, not even noticing his last name. He's just part of the Millick's family here today. Uh, that we're just going to let him suffer and just, uh, you you know, have a good spirit for next time. And so (laughs) we love this family. They're building a great church down in South Carolina, and we give them greetings today in the name of the Lord. Uh, Here we are, Matthew chapter number two, verse number 13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, the angel commanded. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there. Somebody say stay there. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Uh, I am using this as a theme for your consideration for a few moments today. Uh, This is my theme, choosing fathers, choosing fathers. It sounds like a Father's Day sermon, but just stay with me for a moment. Choosing uh, fathers. We, all of us, have had some time in the last few days to to reflect upon God's goodness in our life. I hope in this time of celebrating uh, the the advent of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the taking on of a human body by the spiritual, eternal essence of who and what God is. Jesus walking among us. We celebrate it in a holiday manner. And we are influenced by that. We play and listen to holiday music. Uh, we buy gifts one for another. I know there are some people who are afraid of celebrating Christmas. And uh, the result, the reason is, is because at that beginning of the uh, year, the beginning of the year or the end of the year, when the solstices are changing, the, the movement of the sun is changing relative to the earth. Uh, here we are. The beginning of December is is the first day of winter. Excuse me. The beginning of the last week of of December is that beginning of winter. And this all coalesces with the movement of the the movement of the sun in the sky. And all nations, all peoples, all tribe notice this uh, in their histories, and they have celebrations for this. The result of this is that every religion, every every, how shall we say, belief system they all will plan festivities and holidays uh, at those changing of seasons, when the winter begins, uh, the fall ends, that is co- it's, it's, it's being linked to the movement of the sun, and so when there's a change, they have feasts, they have celebrations, beginning of winter, end of autumn, uh, celebrations, and the result of this is that almost every religion has some type of a feast, if you 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 believe in uh, uh, crazy, strange deities. You have feasts to those deities, and some people are very fearful of being in any way associated with perhaps a celebration of a different god or a feast. And they say because of that, uh, because of that, they should not celebrate Christmas because uh, it was celebrated uh, to a false god or something. I want to say to to them, first of all, if you feel that way, uh, there's room for you at this church. You don't have to celebrate every celebration that comes along. However, I want you to know why we choose to celebrate Christmas. We don't do it because we think we're right and you're wrong. We simply say every tribe, every people celebrate the changing of the movement of the heavens. Uh, So there is in all cultures going to be some kind of a feast. If you say we're not going to celebrate Christmas because it was once celebrated by uh, some uh, other tribe, I I want you to know that every tribe celebrated something. Uh, We might as well celebrate what we hold dear. Yes, that makes sense. Everybody celebrated. You can change the names out. But for us. We don't believe in uh, Thor (laughs) in spite of him making many movies nowadays. He is the most active God in the world in Hollywood. Nobody works Hollywood harder than Thor. And and you get the idea. We might as well celebrate what we hold dear. However, we have room for you if you choose not to do it. This is not something we have to fight over do you understand? Uh, And so we have had time for reflection uh, in this time. Hopefully it's not just presence for you. Uh, I have spent a lot of time recently for whatever reason thinking about how the Almighty God chose to give up power as a plan to save those of us who wanted power more than anything. I thought it Ironic, And I've spent some time reflecting upon how that which we give our lives to obtain, God gave up in order that he might give us the life we thought we would find pursuing what he gave up. Yes. It's an upside down kingdom. And if we're not careful, we can be label Christians who have a Christian inheritance of culture, but we are not following him as a way, a way of living, a way of being. We are not just label believers. We are trying to live a certain kind of life. Can I have a better amen than that? So the result of my reflections uh, led me to this realization that God chose his father. He chose his father. God chose his his mother. There's a statement we all say. uh, If you've spent a lot of time with your family and you're on each other's nerves, I want you to know it's okay. No awkwardness if your family is sitting nearby. (laughs) That's not my point. All of us get on each other's nerves, but we're still committed to each other. Does yeah. so that make sure? All of us do. Um, believe it or not, my wife griped my daughter out this morning because she cut her dress by accident, and my wife griped her out. Now, that does not mean, of course, that anything has changed. Uh, it was just on her nerve that she spent $40 for a dress, and Ellery decided to make fancy with scissors. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? My point of bringing family into the mix, and I know I'm just kind of sharing with you here today. I'm not preaching a classic, as it were, sermon. That's all right. Uh, I, I'm, I, I spent week, weeks by myself, so I have a lot of th- thoughts to share with you. It felt like weeks, it was only days. Uh, we don't choose our families. Uh, friends are like families we choose. Yes. And so you should value friendships. Yes. We don't choose our families. Let me tell you a little bit uh, about some of you. Your family's cray cray. Uh, let's just let's just speak truth. If you if you're sitting by your sister, you can just elbow her and say, "That was for you, sis. That was for you. That's right, uh, sis." Uh, some some of us have some crazy family. Uh, this week, my my family and I were supposed to be down in Hilton Head for a uh, family reunion that we put together, and all of our extended family was uh, was there, and I was unable to go, so my well, none of us were able to go, and so we every day saw pictures they sent us, and we saw. All the new babies. We have two new babies in the family, and it's just a miracle I wasn't there because I would have stolen them both, and then that would have been problematical. And so um, our families, we don't choose our families. We're stuck with our families, but that's not all bad. Uh, oftentimes, we end friendships that shouldn't be ended because we don't know how to humble ourselves and, be- and let friends be the family we choose. Yeah. Uh, People quit coming to church over things that happen because they don't know how to value the church in anything except how it meets their needs in that particular time. And if the church is not meeting my needs right now, then I'm not committed to that church. This is not how God meant for you to serve him. Uh, The church is shown to you as a spiritual family. It is a committed kind of thing. Uh, Sometimes it's on my nerves, but it's still my family. Uh, I'm committed to it. If you would be a part of spiritual family, you would need to choose your spiritual family with the same certainty with which you committed yourself to your natural family. Uh, God chose his mother and God chose his father. And what's interesting is he did not choose them on the same things we would have chosen. Um, What kind of a mother, what kind of a father did he choose? Let me focus for time's sake primarily on Joseph today. Um, God knew what power was, so he wasn't impressed by fathers who had power have you thought about this? Consider with me for a moment. God had real power, not pretend power, not make-believe power, not labeled power. He had real power. Yeah. Right. Come on now. So he wasn't impressed by it. And when he went looking for a dad to raise him in his most vulnerable state, when he went looking for a protector who would care for him and keep him when he had laid down all his power and all his authority and made himself, as it were, a a, a weak, almost pitiful, needy creature. He chose a man who was not powerful. He chose a man who was kind. He chose a man who was gentle. And he chose a man who was faithful. But God had had power, and therefore he wasn't impressed by it. God didn't need his father to be a scholar. He did not need his mother to have royalty in some uh, uh, approval of her society and her time. Uh, He needed her to be faithful. He needed her to be kind. He needed her to be gentle. But he did not need her to be that which we would choose if we were choosing for ourselves. God had all wealth, so he wasn't impressed by it. God, help all of us not to live enthralled by things that are temporal in their essence and in their nature. Uh, Kids, let me say to all of you, your mom and dad may not have as much money as you wish they had. In fact, they don't have as much money as they wish they had. I thought I'd have got a better amen on that. Maybe, maybe I'm preaching to the wrong people. I don't know. Uh, but I, I want to say this to you. I want to say this to you. Don't ever judge your parents on the basis of what they have in terms of wealthy possessions. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit because there's some things in my spirit, and I'm indulging myself today since I nearly died. Not really, but I figured I would just indulge myself. Uh, God had power. He wasn't impressed by it. He didn't need it. God had prestige, so he wasn't impressed by it. He didn't need it. God had wealth, so he wasn't impressed by it. He didn't need it. Instead, he was content to choose a carpenter. Interestingly enough about carpentry, um, although it was honorable profession in uh, Jewish culture, uh, it wasn't a noble profession. It was respectable, I should say, maybe not honorable. It was respectable. Uh, The most honorable profession would have been to serve as a scholar, a lawyer of the law of Moses. That would have been honorable. Uh, That would have been... Uh, how shall we say, uh, highly favored. Uh, It would have been honorable to have success as uh, perhaps one of the many uh, merchant uh, Jews that were spread all through Alexandria, all the way from that nation state of Alexandria in Egypt, all the way up to the Roman Empire. The Jewish people were very wealthy people. They were wealthy because they oftentimes knew that if uh, they were going to have anything, they were going to have to do it because no one was coming to help them. They, They they, they had to take matters into their own hands, and the result of this is you will find a highly disciplined culture, uh, particularly with assets. You save money, you don't show you have it. This is very much part of their inheritance, the result of the pogroms and the various persecutions they went through. Not only that, they deeply believed in human capital, not just money which could be stolen with you, but learn how to be a, a, a physician, human capital. Be valuable to a community. Get educated. They they deeply believed in this, and God could have chosen one of the famous uh, Jewish uh, physicians as his father. Uh, he could have chosen one of the famous Jewish bankers even, or shall we say merchants, he could have chosen, but he chose an honorable uh, uh, shot, let me say it this way, a respectable profession, but not something of high honor. It was worse than that in Roman in, culture. In, in Roman culture, uh, in Roman culture uh, carpentry was the role of a slave. And a wealthy Roman would never be seen doing carpentry. You would buy a slave or hire someone else's slave who specialized in carpentry. And God considered a good man, not mighty by the methods of the flesh, but a good man. He chose a kind man. He chose a gentle man. He chose a faithful man. And he says, I am going to put my most vulnerable, weak expression in all the story of a timeless being in nature that I am because in order to understand God, you have to see him that way before Abraham was, past tense, I am, because God is not a creature of time, but rather time exists in God. And here you see uh, this most vulnerable moment, and God said, I will let you take care of me. How do I know that Joseph was particularly kind? Um, I have in my life known different fathers. Uh, I have been blessed by my father. Uh, I am rich today in uh, my father's character. I am rich today in my father's uh, gift to me just of who he is and the gentleness with which he lived his life and the steadfastness with which he has faced the ups and downs in life. Uh, My father, like all fathers, could not control the waves, but he always taught me how to surf. And I have lived a life rich in my father. I Have at times uh, seen other fathers and been exposed to other fathers. My dad had other brothers. I was exposed to them a lot, and they are all good men. One of them has passed. They are all honorable men, and they all—all of them, in their own way, are reflective of their father, my grandfather, who had a a calmness about him, a gentle strength about him. Uh, He had the kind of strength that did not need to flex. Uh, The moment you flex, you're not as strong as you were because now you just revealed to the world that you felt threatened by it, and so you flexed for the world. Real strength doesn't really have to flex. In fact, real strength often can just smile at the threat and say, okay, whatever. I am who I am. I stand where I stand, and I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. Um, I had one other father in my life. I knew him, and he was, at one stage in my life, he was very attractive to me because he seemed to have a tough guyness uh, that I thought was cool. And he had a certain macho that I thought was cool. And he had wealth at a time when uh, my family seemed to struggle. And for a few teenage years, I never would have traded. Don't misunderstand my point. That would just be silly. But there was something I admired in that style of being. But I was such a fool. Because time revealed that I did not know what made a good father. I did not know what made a real man. And everything that I admired in one sliver of my life would have alienated me from that same person in the next stage of my life. We oftentimes don't know what will walk out best in our journey. We don't know what will live out easiest in our journey. So much of faith is opening our hands and say, saying, God, you know the way that I take. Yeah. And here you see Joseph down. Uh, at a strange time of his life where an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and says, take uh, Mary and the baby and flee to Egypt. This is Joseph as a refugee. I read something this week, uh, very interesting, how damaging it is for men to be in refugee camps to have no way to better themselves or take care of their family. It is psychologically, this is not my opinion, this is proven, it is psychologically damaging to men to put them in a refugee camp where they can't work, they can't take care of their family, all they can do is go get a daily allotment of food, and it in a social manner. It destroys them, and this is why so many of them either turn to crime or turn to uh, addictions, turn to uh, damaging the lifestyles that turn, it's almost as though it's a curse upon them as a man to live without a- any ability to improve. Here you see this Picture of Joseph as a refugee. He's going to Egypt. He's a refugee. He doesn't have the network that allows him to work as a uh, journeyman carpenter, shall we say. He is dependent upon the kindness of a foreign kingdom. If they let him work, then he can work. If they help him buy food, then he can buy food. But if they close the doors of opportunity to him, he has to sit there and suffer with his family while he waits until the Lord tells him it's safe to go back to his homeland. How do you deal with the season of your life where you feel like you've been placed on hold? Some of us get grumpy when our life has been placed on hold. Some of us get impatient when our life is placed on hold. Some of it take it out, some of us take it out on the people who have no control just because they don't get to say no. Yeah. And they have to deal, you wouldn't treat your boss that way, but you'll treat your kids that way because you know you don't get, your boss won't put up with it and your kids don't have a choice. Try. Okay. Aren't you thankful that no one in this church acts like that? I'm thankful it's other people who act like that. Um, life sets all of us in seasons where the pause button has been pushed. And we literally have to deal with the fact that we are not in control of our life at this time. Everything is on hold. We have nothing we can do. We're having to wait until the Lord says, okay, you can get back to what is your place where I have put you. In the meantime, you're stuck in Egypt. Um, He was a kind man. I know he was kind because um, he would not, when they were betrothed and Mary uh, showed she was with child, uh, he decided that he would divorce her in a type of divorce called any cause divorce. Now, most of you have never heard of this, and that's really a shame. The reason why it's a shame is because it was the single most controversial religious subject in the time of Jesus Christ. And the average Christian today cannot even tell you what it is. What is the single most controversial subject in the time of the life of Jesus Christ? 99% of Christians could not tell you what it was. And let me tell you what it was. Any cause divorce. There was a huge conflict in Jewish theology. Whether or not you had to, if you wanted to divorce your wife or your husband, it could go both ways. Did you have to take them to the court of law, Moses' law, and divorce them there with cause? You had to show they had not kept their duties and obligations, and the duties went both ways. there were duties for a man to a woman, and if the man did not fulfill that uh, duty, like, for example, uh, he had to give her something to eat, he had to give her a place to live. That's why my wife's been threatening to leave me for years) <laughs> if uh, he he had to give her an opportunity to have children. He could not just uh, stay away from her. She could divorce him if he did. This is Moses' law, and most of us don't know it, and it's the number one most controversial thing during the time of Christ. As a result, oftentimes, the church is uh, unfair to people who have gone through divorce today, and we are unkind to people who have gone through divorce today because we're interested in being judges, not being students. And so this any cause divorce, uh, one school of Jewish Hebrew thought, the school of Hillel, they they believed in any cause divorce. Uh, I won't get into the technical reasons of Hebrew interpretation why they believed in this, but they believed that a man at any time could divorce his wife just because there was any reason, literally any cause. She burned his toast, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. (laughs) True story. Uh, she, uh, uh, you know, did not say yes, sir, when he said it's time for dinner. Here's your, here's your slip. Any cause divorce. Literally, the school of Hillel they believed in any cause divorce. Now, uh, Shammai, these different different schools, they did not believe. They believed only divorce under Mosaic law. And this is why when Jesus is asked uh, whether or not divorce is okay, and he says except for except for um, a marriage, it is uh, very, very, excuse, excuse me, except for death or adultery, it is very much in the context of what this the debate between any cause or Mosaic Law divorce. One of the reasons why I do not tell anyone they have to stay in a relationship where they're being abused, I'm off the reservation today, I'm sorry, blame COVID, I'm COVID confused, okay? Okay. I always tell people if they're being abused, you do not have to stay in that relationship. Now, if you then quote to me the scripture about Jesus said except for death, yes, in the context of any cause, he's referring to Mosaic, if you say you can't, you have to stay in abusive relationship today, what you're saying in a real theological necessity is that a wife in the New Testament has less rights than a slave in the Old Testament. Bye. Now, you're looking at me. What does this mean? This does not mean divorce is the will of God. But it does show us something about the practical nature in which God works with people where they are, not where all of us might wish they were. As a result, this church will always, always have open hearts to people who have gone through broken relationships, and there will always be a place in this house where they can be received. We will never be for divorce. We will always be against divorce. But I want you to understand, it's not as simple as some people make it just by getting one scripture and pretending like they are a better judge than they are a student. That's right. Amen. I'm killing the spirit today, aren't I? And so, and so... um, uh, why did he decide to give her an any cause divorce? Because to take her to mo- the court of, of law would be to publicly humiliate her, and so he decided he wouldn't do that. He would he would give her. Uh, <laughs> a a, a liberal-style divorce. He would give her an any-cause divorce and just end the annulment, but not bring her before the people because if she was convicted before the people, it did not happen all the time. In fact, it happened fairly rarely uh, historically, but there was a chance and the right that the family that was offended could stone her. Do you see? And so, what Jesus—or excuse me—what Joseph does is Joseph says, "I—I'll I, just give her an any cause divorce." Now, let me point out something here that's shocking to you. When Jesus is asked, what well, about divorce, he comes down on the side of Hillel. I mean, excuse me, of Shammai. Uh, did I say that right? Um, Hillel's the liberals, just remember it that way. Um, <laughs> he comes out on the school of Shammai and says, No, any cause divorce. That's what he's saying about except for adultery. He's coming out on the side of the great debate, that's the number one religious controversy of the time of Jesus, not my opinion, history. He's coming down and saying, no, you cannot just give somebody a divorce for any cause. That's what the subject is about. We don't have all, but that's what we know from history. This is the biggest debate in Jewish theological uh, discourse in this time. Here's what I want you to see. Joseph was going to do what Jesus would say was wrong. And God knew it and still chose Joseph. He's wrong about divorce. And Jesus still chose him. Why? Because it seems to me that you're safer with a kind man than you are with a man who knows no doubt and just wants to show you who's right and who's wrong. Amen joseph is on the wrong side of divorce theology and god says that's okay i'll choose kindness Amen. Yeah. i'll choose kindness he was a kind man and there is um, another part to this i'm going to share with you and i know i'm preaching a little bit long you can be mad at me later um but here we go. Um, it's one service today. I'm used to. I'm normally here all day, so we might as well stay all day. Uh, so, um, h- how difficult must it have been? Most of us don't have any idea how judgmental a culture this was. Um, this is similar to what we think of as Taliban culture, where if someone is caught doing wrong, the men of the community take it upon themselves just to whip her right in front if, if, if her hair is not covered enough they just it, this is the kind of culture where a man will d- decide he saw a woman in adultery and drag her out into the public square now you think about this you think about this and here is Joseph and the baby is starting to show they're not married they're betrothed and the baby is starting to show you know women can hide it for a little while you know what I'm saying You know, they've been eating a little bit too much ice cream. I don't know. (laughs) But there comes a point. This is an awkward subject. I should move along, shouldn't I? Okay, my wife's giving me the move along look. (laughs) There's a point where it's starting to show. And once it starts to show, it's not just her reputation that's at risk. Right. 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 That's right. How did he. How did how did he handle this? Well, well, this is the important thing I want you to see. Uh, Joseph wasn't just faithful, and he wasn't just kind. Get this! I think this is so important. He feared God rather than men. No, I I just want I want to dwell here and maybe build three tabernacles, because a lot of us reassure ourselves religiously if people we believe in believe in us. And if we're not careful, we can serve within a community as though that community died for our sins. Come on and we can be, as it were, organization men and women, where as long as you approve of me, then it doesn't matter if I have secret sin. That's why when I come to the house of the Lord, I work so hard at hiding my sin, because I don't want to live in this community if you know the real me. Wow. Yeah. Come on now. There's only one way Joseph is going to make it through this awkward situation and not be angry and not be bitter and not take it out on Mary and maybe even take it out on the boy who would grow up with the rumor that he was the bastard child of a Roman soldier. Right. Jesus. Come on. There's only one way. Sorry for cussing at you. It's a real thing. Get a dictionary. There's only one way. He is going to be able to live with the whispers. How many of you guys get, if, if, when someone's talking about you, it just makes you want to fight? Now, l- let, me tell you, let me tell you the truth. It doesn't bother me much when you talk about me, but if you talk about my family, hmm. I have a devil that rents out a part of my life. It it rents a room. This devil rents a room in part of my life. And you can say all manner of things about me, and honestly, most of the response you'll get will be like, eh, eh, hmm, maybe. Oh, he's ugly. Yeah, maybe. Oh, he has a bad spirit. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes it's like, you know, it's actually, I'm worse than they think I am. Now, let me tell you something. Now you talk about my parents. You talk about my wife. You talk about my kids. And that demon says, hey, out of quarantine. <laughs> out of quarantine. Not to have a party in this house. And it starts in my feet. Um, You do much better talking about me than my family. You will get a sweeter me if it's just me. And you know what? I would say 90% of you are the same way. Because most of your violence comes out when you feel like you're protecting somebody. Right. That's right. It's human nature, right? This is how we are. Um, How does Joseph deal with this issue that uh, his whole life he's going to be whispered to, and God told him not to get divorced. God told him, I am. I overshadowed Mary. She is an honest. She is faithful, and you're going to have to live your life as though you know she is honorable when her community thinks she's a cheap woman. Yes, You're going to have to treat her as though she's honorable when the people in the town are going to whisper when she walks by. And you're going to have to separate in your spirit every day who she is from who people say they are say she is. Do you see? This is uh, a picture of the kind of father that Joseph was and the kind of father that God chose because once the baby started showing and once the baby was born and the rumors followed, Joseph had to live his whole life fearing God and not men. And so now I want to, and I'm almost done, I want to take you to another place in the scripture. And I want to talk very quickly about uh, spiritual uh, fathers in our lives. Um, I'm going to read a short passage uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Paul is writing to that church in Corinth, which is a very troubled church. It's gifted. Somebody say gifted, gifted. but troubled. Oh. Uh, We don't think that way. We think people who are gifted are powerful and therefore they don't have troubles. But it has been my experience that people who have spiritual gifts in their life, particularly, how shall we say, out of the ordinary spiritual gifts, oftentimes have a coinciding uh, chaos about their lives. They have a coinciding uh, chaos about their hearts. It's as though the gift comes with a certain weight to it. And if they do not have the fruit of the Spirit, to temper the gifts of the Spirit. They are a danger to their own faith and ultimately a danger to other people's faith. Um, Paul's writing to this gifted troubled church. I'm not writing these things to shame you, verse 14, but to warn you as my beloved children. (laughs) For even if you had 10,000 others, somebody say 10,000 others, even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. The word here that is translated in this New Living Translation, which I intentionally used... It's translated as 10,000 others. That word in the uh, original uh, Hebrew, or I should say Greek rather, uh, that word literally translates as boy leaders. It's as though Paul is trying to get the church at Corinth to listen to him. Uh, he had founded them he had established them but they had lost their how shall we say uh, impressed status with paul paul wasn't impressive to them so much they they had uh, a lot of spiritual gifts Um, more than any other church, they had dramatic things happening. They had so many tongues and interpretations that Paul had to tell them to stop with it all ready. Uh, They had so much demonstration that Paul had to give them rules. No other church does Paul have to give rules to. Think about the nature. All churches have a feel, right? All churches have a culture to them. They have a style to them. They all do. Um, And this is, uh, this is just the nature of what it means to be humans doing life together, doing church together. Uh, This is the kind of church. It was the kind of church where people are falling out at the very beginning. Uh, um, There's this hype hype, I shall we say, sense of, of, of the spiritual and the supernatural, and I want to be clear, that is not wrong, and I am not against it. Do not misunderstand. There is a lesson here as Paul battles with them for what the culture of their church is going to be, And he doesn't want them to be less spiritual. He wants them to be more ordered. Now think about this. He doesn't say, don't talk in tongues. He says, I talk in tongues more than you all. That's Paul writing to the church at Corinth. But in the meantime, I want you to understand that there is right ways. There is right order. There is a proper. All of these things are in the story. And what he says to them is this. He has spent all of chapter 4. Arguing with them to give him uh, status as an instructor, not to just see him as another person in their life. And he says this to them even though you have 10,000 boy leaders in your spiritual life, you don't have many spiritual fathers. You see, in the kingdom of God, the order of the order of Spiritual growth is not that of instructor to student, but it is that of father to child. It's not the example of a type of religious club or even tribe, but rather the order of family uh, where we are spiritual sons and daughters. This is the example that Paul gives. And the result of this confused church of great gifts, of great potential... Uh, is because they have a a lot of giftedness, but they struggle with authority, it shows in their life as moral failing. Because they have gifts, but they struggle with authority. And so he says, look, even though you have 10,000 boy leaders, you're having an authority issue in your life. Uh, and I'm asking you to hear me and do what I say and receive my teaching because I am not just another boy leader to you. I'm not another traveling preacher. He says to them, chapter 4, Apollos and myself were servants of the Lord. You should not value the one over the other. You should not fall into that habit. However... You need to understand what I have quoted to you. This is verse 6. Don't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. This is Paul wrestling for their respect because although they are gifted, although they are, how shall we say, powerful, although they have a lot of signs and wonders, they struggle with authority. And Paul is saying there has to be authority in your life. And if I am your spiritual father, then you cannot take from me spiritual authority or there will be a lack of order in your life. Uh, We haven't many fathers, the Apostle Paul said. What's interesting about this is the best spiritual fathers in our life first of all are placed by God God knew your needs he knew your journey he knew your walk and God placed you with people mentors leaders pastors intentionally you cannot believe it's random or accidental but you have to believe that God orders your steps can I have an amen that's God's place but here comes your choosing. You have to choose that person as spiritual authority in your life, not just a traveling speaker. When I was, I, was re- I recently preached in Lake Charles and... Um, for uh, Brother Keating there, and um, he asked me to spend Monday morning talking to his staff. I was totally unprepared, I was in holiday mode, and so I had no notes, nothing to say, and I walked in and I just decided I was gonna, I was going to do one another, I call it one anothering. I was gonna say to his staff all the stuff I wish someone had say to mine. Now not everyone can be lucky and have a perfect staff like I do so they needed instruction. And so, I talked about loyalty in ministry. And I talked about how people are always trying to get you to unpastor the pastor. And the test of spiritual authority is not do you honor them when it's pastor appreciation week or month. That's not the thats not the test. The test is do you receive rebuke from them? Now, remember, I'm not talking to y'all because y'all are all perfect. I'm talking to these poor backslidden staff members down in the church in Louisiana. Now, this isn't my opinion. This is biblical because you will remember the author of the book of Hebrews saying, look, if you will not endure chastening, then you're not a, 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 a real son. Now, back to, I'm not going to cuss at you again, although I enjoyed it the first time. Um, but the, he says, you're the other thing if, if you will not. You see, the test is not, can you give lip service and honor? The test is when you're challenged in your spirit. And that's what Paul is doing. You have He's appealing to them. You have to accept authority you have to choose authority now here's this image of almighty god saying i'm going to take on flesh and i'm going to be a little rug runt and i'm going to i'm going to be the toddler i'm going to be helpless and i'm going to choose two regular people not rich people not powerful people just faithful, kind people who would do almost anything not to hurt somebody. They would make almost any effort to be gentle in their spirit. They would fulfill that Old Testament truth that we should do justice and love mercy. Doing justice is being hard on yourself loving mercy is being kind to other people. Most of us do it the opposite. We're merciful to ourselves. And we want justice for other people. But not at this church. This is other churches that have this problem. Jesus says, I choose you. And although I have all power, I choose you. And although I can take care of myself, I'm going to let you Take care of me. So let me finish what I was saying and uh, I'll stop. I told the staff people are always trying to unpastor the pastor. They don't want correction. What they want is covering, not correction. And covering can be a label, but correction comes right down into the nitty gritty of your life and says it's you standing in the need of prayer, not your mother, not your brother but it's you, dear soul, standing in the need of prayer. We all want a covering, but we all don't want correction. So to the church staff member, the challenge goes like this. I need to tell you something, but will you promise not to tell the pastor? I don't know why I'm preaching about this. I don't even care. It's COVID confusion. It's not even my fault. What they're really saying is, I know best when I need to be corrected. So I want to tell you so you can agree with me that we know when we should be corrected because we can trust the pastor with a formal cover, but we cannot trust him with correction. And the result of that is that you end up with a boy leader in your spiritual life and not a spiritual father. Stand with me. There. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment. Let's just spend some time in the presence of the Lord right now. Your own way, your own words. Why don't you just direct your attention to heaven right and say, Lord Jesus, I submit myself to your will. I submit myself to your call. I submit myself to your people. I submit myself to your way. I submit myself to your kingdom. Lord Jesus, integrate me in the house of God. Let me be a part of the doorposts. Let me be a part of the walls. Let me be a part of the pews of this church. Lord Jesus, knit me into a a house of worship in Jesus name we pray 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 there is a blessing that comes through submission uh, I believe one of the key components of receiving blessing in our life is directly related to our ability to walk and live in spiritual submission to God and God's plan for our lives. And I have, I have uh, in my life, I have lived this. What I mean by that is I had a unique experience as a young preacher in that, I had I loved preaching from even from a young age I loved preaching I I always had a favorite preacher I loved preaching I was the little kid who I would wake up for the preaching if I was asleep I'd sleep under the pew during the worship and then I would wake up for the for the preaching now Melix was opposite He, he he would sleep through the preaching but he was he was always awake for the worship and that's why he's in charge of the singing and uh he lifts you up and I tear you down. That's, we're, we're like a team here. I went through this experience as a young preacher where I had a favorite preacher. I won't say his name, but he was by far my, my favorite. I, I listened to everything I had of him. To this day, I have about 60 of his messages. And uh, the first time I ever preached, I had listened to him preach multiple times a day, and I thought when I preached it would sound like his. And I, him, I want you to know, I felt miserably so bad that I wept when I was done. It was that bad. Um, he was my favorite preacher, and he fell. He 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 fell in uh, moral failure, and he was revealed to be have very poor character morally, uh, in his word and even in his lifestyle. I remember thinking uh, that that okay that's we'll survive that Uh, i i found i found another favorite preacher and uh, he was my favorite i to this day i have a bunch of his messages favorite preacher that sucker he dropped the ball too he fell in adultery too the third time i had another favorite preacher i could say these men's names to you and some of you guys who grew up in the same world i grew up in you would know their names okay my favorite, favorite preacher, favorite preacher, that sucker, he could not keep it zipped up. <laughs> none of these guys, none of these guys could stay morally pure. Now, I'm not saying that like I'm better. I'm not better. I'm not, I'm, I haven't done that. But I want to I'm trying to make a point here I'm not better because I didn't do something I am of the same nature I'm capable of any sin anyone is capable of and it's through mercy and grace that God has given me the strength and also my wife's shotgun has kept me on the strength so the, my fourth favorite preacher someday I may have him come and preach here he's my fourth favorite preacher, and he never failed. I went and visited him uh, a couple years ago and sat, spent two days with him, sat in his office. And out of the blue, he appealed to me. Out of the blue, he said, "I'm asking you to make a commitment to moral purity." He said, "Because if you fall," it will be used to, dismir- to besmirch more than just you. It will damage everything you touch. E- even good things you've tried to do. Even initiatives you've tried to do. Even, uh, you know, what influence you've had in, in, in church and the like. Everything you do will be besmirched by that. And I I, I sat in his office and I made a commitment to him that I would, I would be morally pure. But, um, why would I share, that, share all of that, that with you in that manner? Um, I, grew up, I, grew up, I grew up listening to uh, my dad preach, and my dad, because of familiarity, um, I, I never thought of him as one of my favorite preachers. I don't know if you're watching this, Dad. Please don't be offended. I think you'll understand what I mean. I never thought of him as one of my favorite preachers. To me, he was always a great Christian. But the reason why was not because uh, he didn't have great thoughts, not because he wasn't a, a steadfast as a both Christian and as a communicator, but just uh, he was dad. He was dad, and these guys that I did not know that I, I exalted, I exalted them. I, I made them into something they perhaps should not have, should not have been. Um, I learned from that. And so my why, why am I sharing all of this in in your life? For this reason? If you're going to have spiritual order, I hope you're also gifted. I hope you're also blessed. I hope you're also, you know, all that. But if you're going to have order in your life, spiritual order in your life, it's not just going to be God putting spiritual authority over you it's going to be you choosing the spiritual authority that god has put over you because the best spiritual fathers will never demand anything they'll be like joseph and they'll try their best to be kind in every way they can be and they'll try their best to keep uh, they will not the best spiritual authority will not fight you over authority. You have to choose a spiritual father. And let me say something that I have never said to this church before and I just say it cuz it's in my spirit and we're going to dismiss in a few moments after we pray and I have no idea why I preach this way. If I am not that person for you. It's okay okay but find somebody who is and humble yourself because spiritual authority will not force itself upon you and if you do and those of you watching online let me just say this to you I've already beat up on these poor darlings here for an hour so it's your turn okay I know you can partake of church at a distance I know you can just you know watch T.D. Jakes I know I can't preach as good as he can I get it but you need spiritual authority in your life and a talking figurehead on TV will never be a spiritual authority in your life you have to choose it and if you don't choose it you won't have it you won't notice anything except this A creeping and dangerous spiritual disorder that begins to ooze out of the corners of your life because like the Corinthian church you'll still have your gifts you'll still have your talents you'll still have your ability you'll still have your money (laughs) hopefully it's good (laughs) you have to choose spiritual authority and then when it's placed you have to receive it with joy Because the kingdom of God is not built as a club. It's built as a father and a son, a father and a daughter. It is a family. It is authority. It is a covering. It is correction. And all of us will be stronger in our lives by choosing a father. Lift your hands all across the house. Say, Lord, speak into my spirit right now. You're anointed. Speak into my heart. I know. Speak into my spirit right now. I just, I, I want to I lead you all in repentance here. And I, I want all of you to know that I'm repenting for myself. I'm not repenting for you. I'm repenting for myself. Lord Jesus, there's a temptation in me to always be the final judge. Uh, what I think is right. Uh, and to live as though I... Hold in myself the knowledge of good and evil. And there's a temptation in me, Lord, to live as though I am the holder of the knowledge of good and evil, not the keeper of your will and the keeper of your law. Lord Jesus, let me, if you would help me, if you would forgive me, uh, help me to be quick to go to prayer, be quick to go to uh, authority, to go to mentor, to go to uh, other brothers and sisters of prayer and and spiritual reflection and 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 carefully consider uh, the way that i'm living and if i won't do that lord help me to have the wisdom to see that it, it the way it will manifest is not a lack of power in my life that's not how it will manifest it'll manifest by a growing disorder in my life where my morals are at risk my discipline is at risk my choices are increasingly bad my flawed character of selfishness and self exaltation that's where it's going to manifest it won't be manifest in some weakening of spiritual gifts in my life but it will be manifest in the weakening of spiritual character and spiritual order so forgive me Lord Jesus for judging you and teach me how to humble myself and receive your judgment In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast Oh,